You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. And belly on up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. My name is Chris. His name is Ed. This is Socks in the Basement. 30 minutes of socks for fans, by fans, and it's all brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. Don't let water get into your basement. Don't let your foundation get out of whack. You see cement moving in weird ways, the sidewalk, the driveway, the patio. That is a foundation problem that is not going away. It's going to get worse. They can fix it. They don't even have to rip up your, your cement. They have a way to level everything out and fix the foundation and still keep everything intact. They'll take care of any seepage, bowing walls, window wells. You need a sump pump looked at. They will give you an estimate, and then you just get to keep the estimate until you're ready to do the work. They are family-owned and operated. They are veteran-owned and operated ever since they started in 2013. See what a difference a family makes at FamilyDry.com or just give them a call 24-7. Mention Socks in the Basement. You get a big discount, 708 330 4466. I am happy to be back, my friend. I'll get into it a little bit later on the show where I was at. Uh, It was a rough and it was a trying week, uh, very difficult, and I had to experience it all in Wichita, the place that nobody wants to go. And that was apparent by the fact that when I was flying there and back, there were about 40 people on a a 737. And that was it. It (laughs) You got your own row. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much got the plane to yourself, you know, just... uh... I mean, the good news is, is that's where they come around with, like, you know, you can just have the full Diet Coke. You know, you can you can have, they'll give you the entire box of peanuts. Yeah. You know, don't just get the bag. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. They, they gave me, like, like three of the snack bags and handed me two beers, like, right away. And then they yeah. came back. It was an hour-long flight. I got drink service twice. That's how bored they were, the staff on, on board the plane. Nobody wants to go to Wichita. Now, uh, one of the best parts, though, of the past week was when I was able to catch either highlights or a portion of a White Sox game. And I- I'm going to tell you, my impressions of this team, just at the beginning of the season, just with this first series, is that this is an incredible lineup. This team is going to hit all year long. They are going to strike fear in the hearts of pitchers all across Major League Baseball. And Andrew Vaughn has figured it out a little bit, and he's going to have a great sophomore campaign. And I love the fact that they can take the pressure off of him and not have to put him in the outfield to worry about that. He can fill in from time to time, sure, but he doesn't need to really be out there. And I think that's going to benefit him as well. Josh Harrison adds to your defense. Uh, You know, McGuire behind the plate adds to your defense, having him when Grandal's not back there. Uh, Luis Robert looks to me like he is just going to go out and and do everything I expect him to do. A.J. Pollock, thank goodness we got you. And Tim Anderson, he is going to be motivated, I believe, by, by Harrison. Because those are two guys that just look like they are going at 150% and just trying to motivate the team. And I also saw, I don't know if I saw it or I heard it at some point in a clip, Steve Stone talking about how this team was going to run. When you see Grandal going first, the third, when you see when you see these extra runs being created because they're always in motion, it's like Tony realizes their speed, they're going to run. I've already seen a double steal. The offense is going to be so much fun this year. Pitching? I have no idea because everybody just keeps getting hurt. But like the offense, incredible. Well, yeah, and I think that's the only takeaway you can have from there, right? Is is that 
Look, Michael Kopech looked comfortable as, in, in his start. Dylan Cease looks like he might actually sneak up on ace of the staff status the way he was pitching. Oh, yeah. But Giolito getting hurt, he looked great before he got you know the, the freak injury, and hopefully it's, it's nothing serious, things like that. The bullpen looks good, though. And the offense, though, I, I think teams around the league really took a look and went, you know what, this year, unlike last year, this year, one through nine, even when a guy is out, even when a guy is missing, this is a professional lineup all the way up and down. You know, for everybody that was sitting there kind of wondering about like a Jeff McNeil or, you know, wondering what they were going to do at second base. Josh Harrison, I think, is, you're right, I just, just looking at what they were able to do on the Sunday lineup, move Harrison off of second, put him at third where he's a very, very good defender, and, you know, keep that bat in the lineup where he's he's hitting well, uh, he is capable of doing some running. It's it's a glue type of thing in the lineup. It's the same thing with A.J. Pollock. I love the fact that Pollock was there to lead off, right? There's no T.A., so what do you do? You put a guy who just understood the assignment, get on base, do some work on there. Yeah, he pulled the hammy, but, you know. He's going to get injured all all year long. He, he's not a guy who goes 162. Yeah. I, said that the, I said that a week ago, all right? I said that. He's not a guy who's going to do that, but he's going to give you so much, and the pressure of having to worry about that position all year long, uh, in reality, now, when he's not around, you have plenty of options. You've got Adam Angle who can go out there and play some defense. Like I said, you could still put Vaughn or Sheets out there. There's so much you can do. Look, last year, I would have I would have laughed if you told me it was the best lineup in baseball. I've been like, hey, have you seen the Dodgers? Like, I would have been like, they're good. They're good, okay? They're, they're, they're up and coming. This year... I, I feel, and I know it's just one series, but we all we've all seen this coming. You know, if not for the injuries last year, looking at different sample sizes, looking at the adjustments that were made by Robert when he came back, all that stuff like that. This could be baseball's most feared lineup. That's what this could be. Baseball's most feared lineup plays on the south side of Chicago. Absolutely, hundred percent. There's no way a left-handed starting pitcher has any confidence that they're getting out of the first inning without getting dinged up. And every single game, they came out of the first inning with a couple of runs. And that is a huge, huge thing. And I know game one, I know they didn't continue to, to score against Rodriguez, and it came back to haunt them. But the idea that you're on the road and you've got a lineup that can churn out a couple of runs when a pitcher is still trying to figure it out, especially in the early going here when the pitchers aren't quite ready you know, none of the pitchers are, are 100% because they didn't get all their, their full spring training in. For a pitching staff that is a little suspect, and the Sox pitching staff is just a little suspect right now, that's going to be a huge thing. So when you do have to have the wonderful confidence that a Vince Velasquez starts gives you in, in 2022, Ick. at least the idea that in the bottom of the first inning, whoever the Mariners are throwing out there is going to be sitting there going, all right. I got to do better than what they did in Detroit because I can't let them come out. And I think it's Matt Brash, who's a rookie on top of it. I can't let them come out and put a couple of runs up on me because I can't either give back what Velasquez gave the Mariners or I can't let my team get down on the off chance that they now have to play catch up and get into the White Sox bullpen, which is going to be a little bit more difficult than it's going to be for, you know, against other teams where, you know, one thing that, that the Tigers, for example, showed me was their bullpen is still eh, not great. You know, it's not going to be good enough for them to contend against the White Sox for the division title. Their lineup is good, but 
they didn't have the pitching over the weekend that not at least to compete head to head. So I, I'm I'm excited to watch these guys hit. I am hopeful that they can pitch, and I am thankful, thankful, thankful that Rick Hahn decided to say no to the A's, who apparently, according to MLB, MLB trade rumors, the only guy that they would talk to Rick Hahn about for Montas or Manea was Andrew Vaughn. That was it. That was that was the guy. There was no other discussion, and that's why the trigger wasn't pulled because clearly Rick saw what I think we're, we started to see over the weekend, which is that, like you said, Vaughn's figuring it out, and his sophomore season is going to be something much better than his rookie season was. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, Vince Velasquez on opening day, <laughs> hopefully it turns into a softball game. I think that's what will end up happening. Uh, we are going to be at Cork and Carey at the park in the shadow of the ballpark at 33rd and Princeton for post game after that game is over. So make sure you stop by. Ed and I will be at the game going together. We're, we're going to go see our first game on opening day. Me and you, I can't wait for it. The show comes out the morning of opening day. So if you're listening to it on the day it comes out and you're going to the game, let's say you're driving down there right now, that's where we're going to be afterwards. Come by, say hi. We'll have some swag. We'll hand some stuff out. We'll have a couple of beers. We'll have a lot of fun. Ozzie Gian supposedly just realized that the White Sox uh, are a pitcher short. Like, they have a pitching problem. Like, they need one extra right. pitcher. He's the last guy, I think, to say that publicly. But good for him for actually saying it as well, because this is an issue. Now, I, I was telling you already that my belief is when Johnny Cueto gets here, he's going to be the happy accident that, that, like, the White Sox wouldn't have made the move if it weren't for the injury to Lynn, but they go out and they make the move, and I think before it's all said and done— He's going to be a big part of the rotation, a bigger part than Keiko and a bigger part than Velasquez. I really believe that. Like he still, I think, has a lot in the tank and and I've always been a fan of his. And so I think he's going to be the happy accident, like the Tadahito Aguchi last minute signing in 05, or they were going to trade for Ken Griffey Jr. And he, he exercises no trade and didn't want to go to the White Sox in 05. So Rowan stays in the outfield. Like there's always a happy accident that the team didn't initially plan on. I think that's what Johnny Cueto is this year. And so they just got to get to a point where he's up here in the rotation. They got to get through these first couple of weeks. And then I think it's going to get a lot easier as long as these guys can stay healthy. Well, He's a guy that now will get by on craft and guile and savvy and trickery and and that little shimmy where he holds his leg up, that that part where he like does a thing where he's like, I'm gonna pitch, I'm gonna pitch, I'm gonna pitch, and then he throws it. Like I can't wait to see that live. Oh, and then he quick pitches people too on top of it. Then he'll turn around and he'll just he'll just slide step you for no reason. Yeah. So I I, I love the idea of having Cueto on the staff. Not just because of the happy accident thing and not because I think the Vince Velasquez signing is going to blow up in a spectacular fashion after one start, but also because there's something to be said about having a guy like that available to the team at the end of the season. And when I saw that they signed him, the thing that I likened him to was El Duque, okay? Not necessarily the happy accident from a transactional standpoint, but remember, Orlando Hernandez, El Duque Hernandez, was not dominant by the time the White Sox got him. He had had his kind of his best days, and the Yankees sort of viewed the best days as being, you know, in the past a little bit. But what he was was a guy that when push came to shove and they needed something, he was the guy that was just willing to be there to do anything to get it done. And when you see a guy like Cueto who has gone from being a dominant pitcher to figuring it out, how to at least be, you know, a useful pitcher, if not, you know, good at times, he can only help because there will come a point 
whether it is in in starts that they need down the stretch or in the playoffs where suddenly pitchers, everybody's doing whatever role they can, they're going to need a guy like that. Socks in the basement listeners do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the south side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. On the phone line with me right now, this guy has been in the Chicago radio landscape for decades upon decades. I don't I don't mean to make him feel old, but the host of Tell Me a Story I Don't Know, the podcast, George Offman, 48 years, a sports media veteran, the score, WBBM, WGN, you did NPR a little bit. I mean, he's he's the man, and I, I love reaching out to him and just talking a little baseball with somebody with so much experience covering it. How are you, George? Actually, now that you mentioned it, I believe I am in my sixth decade, so that does make me a little bit older, but really not that old. <laughs> At this point, who's counting? <laughs> yeah, no, I stopped counting a long time ago. Are you kidding? And, and, and one of the things that I wanted to bring you on for is the season has begun now. I, I noticed something that was happening in the first series that I think is going to be a theme for the year. We heard Yuan Moncada talk about his intent to steal bases. I think I heard Steve Stone talking about it on one of the broadcasts about how this team is going to run more this year. And people always get an impression of Tony La Russa, who you've covered since he started his first stint with with the White Sox, okay? A long time yeah. ago, you were around. Yeah. So you, you've been around Tony through the years. And, and I was curious if you could talk a little bit about the, the idea that people think he's got this managerial style that he just sticks to one thing. He's Mr. Old School. He's going to do it his way. But in reality, he adjusted a talent around him, right? Because I, I think he sees even a little bit more speed this year with, with Harrison and Pollock on the team, and he wants to run. So he is not the kind of guy that's just going to you know do the same thing every year, right? Well, you, what you do is you manage the talent you have. What, what Tony did for years, and uh, I mean, when he was here, is he would play for one run in the first inning. You'd get a little aggravated back then, but his idea was, I wanted to score first. I want the lead, and he would do that. You know, and he'd get the, actually, Rudy Law, steal second, score a run, bingo, there you go. Now he's, you know, he's he's getting some runs in the first. It's not just running; he's got a lineup that can score runs, albeit it's depleted because they don't have Moncada. I mean, it's still. I mean, the White Sox are still not a fast team, and you're not going to be leading the league in stolen bases. But you want to move the runners into the scoring position because number one, you've got a lot of thumpers in this lineup. That's what they need. I mean, look at look at a guy like Andrew Vaughn. He's at six RBI now in the first three games. Uh, so when you have a guy like that in your lineup and you've got 
Jimenez and Robert and Abreu, I mean, up and down your lineup, you've got power in your lineup. You know, you want to move. Here's here's Anders. You know Anderson's going to get on base, and if he's got a chance, he's going to try to move. You know, he's perfect guy to, be, to have your as your leadoff man. But, I mean, historically, he's always been the type of guy, I want to find a way to take the lead in the first inning. Now, you don't see the sacrifice bunt much. That's what managers used to do, get a man on first, sacrifice him over to second, try to score a run. But, you know, that's something you don't do these days, especially with hitters that are so good at the top of the order. He used to do that, though. That's what was so so aggravating. You know, a lot of people concerned about the pitching depth right now on the team, but Mm -hmm. Tony has managed a lot of teams that didn't have, uh, you know, full five-man rotations, that that have had injuries, that that, that have not had, like, the the best talent in a certain area, but he seems like he gets the most out of guys. He seems to be the kind of guy that can kind of adjust to things. Am I wrong about that? No, but when you lose the basically one and one, a pitcher depends on how you want to classify them. When you lose those two guys to start the season, one of them being out for three months and who knows if when Giolito is coming back, it's not a matter of what he has to work with. It's a matter of what Rick Hahn is going to do to give him to work with. You know, this is, it's different. The White Sox are a team playing for now. They're playing for today, tomorrow, the next day. They're playing to win this year and next. They're not playing for three or four years down the line. And so it's going to be very interesting no matter what. Look, is Velasquez is starting the home opener? Who's he? You know, this, that, that would not have been the case had you lost your, your, you know, your two valuable one and two starters. But obviously it was great to see what, you know, Dylan Cease did in, in, in that game in Detroit. If he, he starts to do that often, he's going to wind up being the ace. The bottom line is no matter what you think you have, the White Sox right now are in a position where they're going to need more. George has a podcast called Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. Uh, it's great because one he gets the big guest because he's George Hoffman, of course, and two, because he gets some interesting tales from his guest. And this week, Darren Jackson is going to be on the show. Uh, is the tale going to be from his time uh, broadcasting or is the tale going to be from uh, playing? It's everything. DJ is a great guy. I've always admired him. Uh, obviously, I knew him when he was playing with the Cubs back in the uh, early and mid 80s. Um, oh, no, this is about his playing days, his broadcasting days, talking about the guys he worked with from Ed Farmer and Hawk Harrelson, Len Casper, uh, and Andy Mazur for one year, uh, how he, you know, they, they, they won the Babe Ruth World Series when he was 14 years old. I mean, we go back. We go back all the way back to childhood. Uh, and they've got some great stories. I mean, they were playing baseball in the back lot of a, of a movie studio, which <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool, to be honest with you, where he grew up in Culver City, California. DJ offers a lot of interesting insight into the game itself. He also comments on the future, some of these rules that we're going to be seeing. But the one thing you get is personality. And, and, and I think what he says is my personality has really grown thanks to the guys that I work with, thanks to guys like Hawk Harrelson and, and Ed Farmer. And he's very happy now that the White Sox are back on the road, that COVID is kind of test us to the point where uh, these guys can travel with a the team, they can be around the team, they get more stuff. 
So I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of DJ. I mean, he's really a, a very he's become a better analyst with every passing year. And believe it or not, this is his 23rd year. It's hard to believe he's already been doing this for 23 years. I'm looking forward to hearing more about what he has to say on your podcast, which is actually this episode we're talking about dropped the exact same day that, uh, well, the episode you're listening to right now on Socks in the Basement uh, dropped. So it's available right now. So you can check out the entire interview, Darren Jackson with George Hoffman on the Tell Me a Story I Don't Know podcast. And uh, people can get that, I'm, I'm assuming, everywhere. Right, George? Yeah, no, you can get it at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, you name it. All right, check out Tell Me a Story I Don't Know with George Hoffman, Darren Jackson on this week with him. And uh, George, uh, thanks so much for jumping on. I look forward to talking to you more as this season goes on. My pleasure always, Chris. Thank you. So I, I said I would kind of get into where I was uh, over the past week. And, and, and also, it was like I was gone and then something happened that I, I want to make sure that I address real quick on the show. First off, thanks to you and Jordan for filling in last uh, the, the show that came out on Friday. I, I really appreciated it. I had a friend of mine who lost his 17-year-old son in a tragic car accident, 17 years old, driving on the way to school down a, a two-lane highway uh, car goes out of control. They don't know why he ends up in front of a semi truck head on collision. And just like that, his only child is gone. And I've been friends with him for nearly 30 years. It was, it's like having a brother, you know, from another mother and, you know, and for that loss to happen, just, just awful. And we have a very close knit group of friends and we all kind of took turns going out there and being with him. And last week for the majority of last week was my turn. Okay, uh, the uh, the days leading up to the the final services, and that was this past weekend, and then I uh, I came back from uh, the the already miserable place that is known as Wichita, Kansas. I'm I'm out there in the middle of this whole thing. I'm the the shoulder to cry on. The guy who's making sure that they're eating out there and just doing. I you don't you never know what to do in that situation. You never know how to help the people that you care about when something this awful has, has happened. Okay, but while I'm out there. I start seeing that something went viral out of Blue Island. And we have had an establishment in Blue Island that has been running ads not only on this show, but on one of the other podcasts, Southside Pod, since the beginning of the year. And the owner of the establishment went out in front of his place in a rage and was captured in multiple videos using offensive, hateful, ugly, racist, awful language, making threats, pushing at police officers. And it, it, it turned my stomach to even see it. And I don't care how much money the establishment feeds into this podcast network. We don't want it anymore. And, and one, because it's embarrassing to me to even have us associated but it's also an embarrassment to anybody else who supports this show or any other show on the network. It's an, it's an embarrassment to, to the fine folks at Family Waterproofing or at, at Red Wing Shoes or at Cork and Carry. All these good people that work hard that, that I don't want that anywhere near us. You know, this show is inclusive to anybody. I don't care about anything except for the fact you're a White Sox fan or a baseball fan. Okay, we're 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 all human beings on this planet trying to make it. And that kind of talk and that kind of speech and that kind of carrying on is wrong. 
And I'm embarrassed that we were even associated with that establishment. Um, we will not be anymore. And I would have had this addressed right after it went out towards the end of last week, but I did not want to put this on Ed and Jordan Lazowski to have to address because I'm the one who signed the contract and I'm the one that brought in the person as an advertiser because I had no idea that I was dealing with something like that. But now that I could see it, I, I'll give the several thousand dollars that were still going to come in for the rest of that advertising uh, contract back. Okay. And we'll move forward. But I, I, I just want to say, I, I, I couldn't believe it. it. It sucked Ed too. In the middle of dealing with what I was dealing with, with my friend and everything like that to see that. And it just made me sick to my stomach. So, you know, I, you know, we, we don't control that people buy advertisements on your, on your show, or if you run a newspaper or a radio station, you don't control that person. That person's paying to be on there. But if I were back in radio, it would be very, very difficult to do what I'm doing right now. But this is ours. This is mine. I'm not, I can make this decision very easily and just say, nope, we're moving on from that. There are plenty of other people that want to have their ads on this show. And again, I, I was I was in shock over the whole thing. It made the week even worse last week, even though I had nothing to do with it. It just made the week even worse. It made me sick to my stomach. Yeah, th this is not the place for any of that. And, um, you know, you and I had talked about it before Jordan and I had a chance to record the show. We did make the decision that Jordan and I would not address it. Um, but, you know, now's the time. And I absolutely agree with everything that you've said and laid out here. I don't want to be associated with people who do not think everybody is welcome or that use any kind of speech like that. It's just not, it's not something that I'm going to ever associate with. Yeah, it was gross. I was upset about it. I'd rather get back to things like White Sox baseball. And one thing that I did not know was happening is that one of my favorite players when I was younger, Harold Baines, that he was going through something. What he had, he had a, he had heart and kidney failure. Is that what it was at the same time? Yeah, he actually had uh, a kidney transplant and a heart transplant. Um, and you've had one of those. You've had a kidney, haven't you? Yeah, and I have. And so it's 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 one of those things where, you know, you you hear about stuff like this, and it's such a good thing to hear. You know that that he's able to get these things done, where he's able to get the new heart, he's able to get the new kidney. Because it's one of those where, you know, you look at, and if you read, and, and you know, stories on MLB.com, actually, but you read about what's going on, you know, he's, you know, not having any real symptoms, he's not having any any real issues, but it just slowly sorts, you know, starts to go, right? You know, you slowly start having these issues, and it's usually not something along the lines of somebody sitting there saying that, oh, you know, all of a sudden I just need this thing. Usually somebody who has, you know, who's able to get a transplant is somebody who has had a slow burn into something or they have an issue that, that comes up. And when you have somebody like Harold Baines, you know, you kind of respect the fact that he didn't go through it very publicly. There was no complaining about it. Just very a Harold way to do things, right? When I got my transplant, now this is going on 12 years. It's been over 12 years since I had it. I got very lucky because I had a live donor. Uh, my sister donated her kidney to me and, you know, I was at the end, right? But you knew me, Chris, when I was still basically fine, right? So when you and I first met in college, other than the fact that I did not drink nearly as much or as often as the rest of our friends did, um, and I did not party the way other people did in college necessarily, I, I you know, took it back. 
it wasn't something that was really abundantly obvious. Like I didn't walk around with, you know, uh, you know, basically getting uh, dialysis or something 24 seven. And, you know, so I was very lucky in that regard as well. But, you know, I'm really happy to hear that Harold, who by all accounts, like you said, you, you hear from his ex teammates, what a great guy he is. Um, you know, he has been one of the, just, you know, one of the guys that throughout the history of the White Sox that you really liked rooting for and you really liked him as a player. And, you know, it was kind of fun even sometimes when they would use him as a coach and you'd see him in commercials and the, you know, the whole evidently thing. And so I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where too, you know, if you are, uh, uh, you know, if you're ever on the fence about donating, um, you know, don't be, because you never know, you might, you might end up helping out somebody who is a hall of famer. Yeah. Or you could end up helping out somebody who just, you know, does a White Sox podcast. And so that's the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah. Well, you know, you're just as important. Okay. Uh, no, I, I, I don't know if I'm as important as Harold Baines. I, you know, <laughs> I was, a, I was a terrible hitter. So <laughs> you went through this and you did it just with a kidney, right? He did kidney and heart dual transplant. Like at the same Which time, is, like, yeah. And the fact that there's even a video of him out right now and he's just walking around like normal, like I can imagine the recovery time is also just like brutal. I would imagine you, I mean, I think you take a pill every day just to make sure that your body is like going to keep it. I mean, it, it has to be six nerve- of them, actually six of them. That's crazy. I mean, it has to be nerve wracking, like from the moment it starts, like for the rest of your life, you're like, don't forget the pills Do this guy. Take care of myself. I hope this works. Oh, like, yeah must've been crazy. And, and Harold, uh, Harold and you now you've got a kinship. You, you're, you're both, uh, you're both people that have, uh, received uh, somebody else's organs inside of your body. You know, two things. One, you, you know, you mentioned the, uh, the, the recovery time. Weirdest thing was after I got my new kidney, when I woke up and I woke up in the, uh, I woke up in the ICU because I had a, I had an allergic reaction. So there was a point where, you know, we thought I was not going to survive the surgery, but, I woke up in the ICU, and even though I woke up in the ICU, I still felt so much better than I had going into it because my my body was working properly for the first time in in, in really in my life at that point because mine was from a birth defect. So I can only imagine that Harold is up walking around and and you know feels so much better because his heart is pumping properly and his kidneys are filtering properly, and you know and plus you know the guy was a world class athlete so he's got that going for him. You know, but the other the other aspect of it is is that you don't get too caught up on the idea that you have somebody else's organs inside of you. And part of the reason is because if I really thought about it, that means that I would have to pee sitting down for the rest of my life because my kidney is a 50-year-old woman. <laughs> Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on socksinthebasement.com.